0: Hello, PodModBods. Welcome back. Today's episode is brought to you by AI Synthesis and Recovery Effects. Um, and I'm going to show you uh, a little something-something that these guys can do. I have the uh, my new Telharmonic from Make Noise as my sound source. And shortly you will hear that fade in just with no, uh, no effects. And then I will be running it through the Recovery Bad Comrade, Cutting Room Floor, and Bleeding Hearts. And I will... Uh, I will have them not modulated at first, and then you will hear everything kind of lock in and become in sync, and that's when uh, I clicked some some modulation sources from Wogglebug and uh, Maths and Peaks and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, And then with the AI synthesis, I used the uh, voltage-controlled filter, and I controlled that filter with voltage from their looping ADSR. So, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this short, crunchy, hectic little thing. I'm having a lot of fun making these nasty... Um, gl- not really glitchy, but maybe nightmare-inducing, anxiety attack-inducing. Uh, I'm gonna try to work on some nice stuff for you guys pretty soon, but I'm just having fun with this, so enjoy. recoveryeffects.com and ai synthesis.com for all of your synthesis needs oh boy guys we have a cool show today um i'm talking to the master of the arena that i have found myself in and that is podcasting um talking to darwin gross who has the art music technology podcast which has been around for a while and um i inadvertently uh kind of lifted the the show format from him i started this podcast before i knew about his and then i listened to it and i was like oh this is very similar um but darwin knows way more about way more stuff than me and uh he if you've heard of him, you know he's worked with uh, Cycling74 and Max, and, uh, you know, he's just been in the game for for a while and is very knowledgeable. And we don't really dive into the stuff that you know about him because I actually didn't want to ask him about that stuff because I figured he was kind of tired of talking about it. Um, but we'll have him on again to uh, to talk about all that because I th- you could do... I could do ten episodes with him probably, and we wouldn't cover any of the same ground. Um, but yeah, if you enjoy this show, please go check out his art, music, and technology. It's really cool. We have some crossover and guests, and uh, there's a great back catalog to uh, get through. Before we get started, once again, thank you guys so much for your Patreon support. Um, we're getting more and more every week, and it's you know it's it's helping a lot. And uh, I'm trying to find. In, you know Fun ways to interact with you guys So I'm open to ideas I'm Still trying to hit that goal of being able to uh, Put out a cassette of all of the patch challenges That have happened up until now And uh, yeah, if you want to help Go to patreon.com forward slash One more thing before we get into this talk uh, My label, Self-Center Records Will be releasing Lemon Jaya's EP Called Rotations Uh, In about two weeks And you can pre-order it now So if you like what you hear Below my ramblings right now You should go over to SelfCenterRecords.Bandcamp.com And pre-order this guy Lemon Jaya is uh, Josh Lim Who is one half of the founding members Of the Modular on the Spot here in Seattle And uh, he's a really cool, cool dude Alright, let's talk to Darwin Gross From the Art Music Technology Podcast Held here, and I am talking with uh, Darwin Gross today, who uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys know is the the mastermind behind the Art, Music, and Technology podcast. So, welcome, Darwin. Ah, thank
1: you so much for having me. It's kind of cool to be on the other side of the mic for a change.
0: Yeah, I bet that was uh, it's it's a little surreal surreal hearing your voice right now because I've been binging your uh, your podcast while at work. Um, <laughs> I uh I was made privy to it by one of my recent guests and uh after listening to it I thought to myself well oh shit I inadvertently unknowingly kind of stole Darwin's <laughs> whole whole uh, show format so um <laughs> I uh I apologize for that um and uh but I also just recently talked with Tom Hall who I know you talked with and um because I listened to that episode, it actually gave me a little bit of a, a nice challenge, a welcome challenge to, uh, to try to cover some new ground with him and then tell the listener to, uh, also listen to your talk with him. So yeah, well, thanks for that.
1: Yeah, no worries. And, uh, in fact, I just, uh, this coming weekend, you're going to be hearing, uh, from Abraham Engel from AI synthesis for, oh, About the same reason. I, uh, <laughs> I was listening to your podcast and I was like, oh, this <laughs> I I've been kind of following him from afar for a while, so it was really great to talk to him as well. But yeah, oh, you know, so cool. it's uh it's kind of interesting there's I mean, I've done over 230 of these uh interviews already, so it's uh there's a lot of stuff out there, but this at the same time all of these stories are people's stories are constantly changing and constantly evolving and there are an awful lot of stories to be told, so it's it's great to have more people out there doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's um, It's been cool to kind of go back through your catalog and see, okay, well, I'm going to be talking to them as well, and so I'll <laughs> listen to it, but I'll also know that, okay, this is an older episode, so I get to kind of, you know, catch up where you left off. So right. it's, it's, uh, it's cool. We got a little ping pong thing going on. Yeah, indeed. Um, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, and since you brought up Abe... Um, I'll just, uh, go into it now is I wanted to know if you've had a similar experience as me, but I've done, I think you are now probably my 22nd, uh, conversation. I've released 18 episodes, but I would say most of the guests that I've had on who I've met for the first time over our conversation, we've kind of kept in touch and, and are kind of, you know, internet buddies or, or what have you. And, uh, and Abe, after having him on, we, we hit it off and we ended up talking for another hour after we stopped rolling. And, um, yeah, that's how we became, you know, he became a sponsor of the show. And we're constantly kind of just chatting about this and that. And uh, we're going to make plans to hang out. So I'm, I'm wondering if, if something similar like that has come out of your, your show.
1: Uh, it, it does. Uh, certainly I get, uh, I get to know people. Uh And I get to keep in touch with them over a long period of time. Now, the flip side of it is i'm doing it every week, and so that 's like yeah i I give myself two weeks off a year, but that 's like fifty contacts a year right
0: that's <laughs> yeah. uh a
1: lot of people to keep in contact with and the other thing is um i 'm not a people person actually, <laughs> and so kind of maintaining <laughs> those connections <laughs> those connections can sometimes be a little painful. Well, but yeah, I do, you're up in the. Go ahead. Uh, well, but I do, uh, I do actually uh, keep in touch with a lot of people, and what's fun is that when I do things like I go to the NAM show or I go to uh, the Ableton Loop thing or whatever, I will so often uh, meet and and get a chance to spend FaceTime with people, and that that has always been kind of a really interesting uh, entree, is to know that you know now I know kind of in depth something about them, and it really gives us a good. Uh, kind of a good platform to to have great conversations.
0: Yeah, you got it. You got a little bit of a springboard. You can hit Indeed. the ground running with a lot of people. So, That's as right. as somebody a self proclaimed non people person, I imagine that is helpful in FaceTime situations. <laughs> it re- it really is. Yeah. <laughs> so, as somebody who has just kind of launched off into an endeavor of a weekly podcast, um, I'm I'm just I'm really curious just to kind of pick your brain on on just how how you've maintained in, into over 200 episodes and and how many are you how many people are you talking to a week and and how much time do you put into it because that's that's just an incredible amount of work on top of um you already very impressive uh you know CV I guess you'd call it <laughs>
1: yeah i'm a i'm a busy little beaver i mean i'm lucky <laughs> that uh i have a very supportive family in terms of giving me opportunities to pursue some of these things um, I spend it uh, between interviews and editing and prep work. Uh, I spend roughly eight hours a week on the podcast. Uh, now, some of that's going to seem odd, but it's you know it. I don't do a lot of prep work before the interviews. That's kind of an important part of part of it for me. One of the things I found is if I spent a lot of time on prep work, I would end up speaking to people in a very interview kind of a way and Mm -hmm. um that a lot of times didn't resonate with the listeners in fact the closer it became to a personal conversation the more often i got great feedback from people so it's when i started realizing that talking to people about their history and their background and backstory uh first of all it was something where everybody has a different story But also it's something where if I listen, I'll come out of it with 5,000 questions that I want to ask, right? So it's a really great, it's a really great way to make sure that it's always fresh. The other thing is, frankly, it's my damn podcast. So I'm kind (laughs) of, I'm kind of choosing people that I know ahead of time I'm going to like, or I'm Mm going to at
0: least find interesting. So that keeps it pretty fresh all the time. Right. That's so funny. Um, I'm, I'm kind of. I've I've recently found the the perfect amount of balance between the research thing, and and the the no prep. Because when I first started this, um, a lot of my friends, when I told them I'm not going to do research on the guests, and they're like, "Are you crazy? Like, what are you going to talk about?" And I'm just, if you want to ask somebody about their art- artistic endeavors, a lot of the times you can't get them to stop talking. So it's like you just get them going a little bit, and then a conversation happens. Um, I did find, however, that having just the the slightest bit of just kind of topics just to kind of, so I want to ask you about X, Y, you know, right. and then, you know, because I totally agree i part of what I love about podcasts is just the conversational nature, and I think that's why I can spend an eight hour day at work and listen to you know eight of your episodes and it's, <laughs> you know it's just it's just listening I'm a fly on the wall. it's pretty cool well, wow, that kind of blows me away. I mean
1: the no prep thing has backfired on me a couple of times the worst one <laughs> and i and I still am like cringing over my uh my interview with Josh Eustace from Telefon. Telephone Tel Aviv. And uh-huh. um I had knew known of his work, but I hadn't listened to extensively. And subsequent to the interview, I've become a little obsessed with both the telephone Tel Aviv as well as the second woman work that he's been doing and stuff. But at the time, I was coming to it a little green. I got introduced by some friends, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I'll just, you know, kind of go in blind, right? Mm-hmm. And um I, uh, I made some statements about, <laughs> about some his releases and he was, you could just almost imagine on the other side of the line, he was like, what? who is this guy? Right. <laughs> because, uh, I was like very, I was, uh, very much not knowledgeable about some of his work in a way that most people would have been. So it kind of, it kind of backfired me in that case. But in most cases it does all right because, and, and again, it keeps me super engaged because, I'm learning about
0: these things and I'm, I'm really interested and it causes me to listen really closely too. I totally agree. Yeah. I, I, I have a hard enough time keeping my attention on one thing. So it is, yeah, it's nice to have it just have it be somewhat new information or, you know, filling in gaps that you don't have. Um, My backfire story is kind of the whole concept of this. I got obsessed with modular synthesis before I really knew anything about modular synthesis. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, I started this podcast, and on, like, the third episode, somebody was like, yeah, I was using a Surge system. And I was like, uh, "Does that is that supposed to mean something to me? <laughs> right. And in hindsight, I totally cringe at that, because like, if you don't know what Surge is, you have no business starting a podcast. But through this show and talking to so many people, I have learned so much more in three months than I would have in a year on my own. So... Yeah, that's my little kind of caveat yeah, on I hear that you. show. I hear you, <laughs> so yeah, I'm kind of curious what what kind of what started. It? Were you listening to a lot of podcasts and just thought, hey, I've got an idea for this? Or yeah, how did how did you come to do start the podcast? Um, I had uh, it, I I actually started it when I
1: lived in Colorado. I lived up in the mountains, and um, I was teaching down in denver i was teaching at the university of denver uh in the art department there and uh that that was one of like five jobs i was doing at the time (laughs) but uh it was like an hour's drive each way and uh i had this old piece of crap truck that did not have a decent radio on it and so i was kind of like flummoxed about what to do you know i'd load up albums on my ipod but i have this like funny thing where I have trouble driving and listening to music at the same time, uh, mm. because music really engages my like analysis part of my brain, and then mm. next thing I know, I'm driving into trees. So <laughs> it's not a not a good com- combination for me. So oh, instead, um, what I started doing was I was like, well, there's these people doing uh, interviews, and so you know, it really started for a lot of people. Uh, it, you know, things like This American Life and some of these kind of shows are sort of your introduction to listening to an interesting story, you know, mm-hmm. in your, in, on your drive. And um, from there, I kind of slipped into saying, well, you know, what else is there? And I saw this podcast thing on my iPhone. So I went fishing around and I ran across Mark Marin's WTF podcast. That was the first one for me too. Yeah. And um <laughs> I started listening to it and I was like this guy, A, is a knucklehead, but B <laughs> is pretty light on his feet. Uh-huh. And and C also seems to be like, you know, completely unaware of the fact that sometimes he doesn't sound like he knows what he's doing, but it's still <laughs> all right, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I uh really enjoyed listening to listening to his thing and I ended up uh, kind of just saying, you know, that's something I could do. And so I was out in, um, I was out in LA for a meeting with some of my coworkers and we were talking about, well, what, what, what could we do that would be really different? Right. And I was like, well, we all work on max, this visual programming language. We ought to do a podcast about it because what could be more stupid than an audio podcast about a visual programming language, right? (laughs) And they all just like laughed and then just like didn't want to talk to me for the rest of the day. But that stuck (laughs) in my head, right? And so I came back and I actually, uh, many of the first interviews I did were people in the Max world, but also I have for a long time been a modular addict. And so it was natural for me to reach out to my friends in the modular world. And, and really my podcast took off, uh, the first time I interviewed, uh, Paul from, Paul from SynthTech and, um, what's what's his name? Paul. I got (sighs) Paul Schaefer in my head now for Christ's sake. (laughs) But anyway, um, Paul from, uh, from SynthTech was on and, Uh, That sort of like blew up my podcast. And so for the first time, instead of like 200 listeners, I had 5,000. And um, yeah, it jumped because a lot of people were into him and he's kind of an acerbic guy. And so it really made for a great discussion. He and I had known each other for a long time. So uh, we were, he was up for the banter Uh and um, it kind of, it kind of blew up from there. And then at that point I was like, well, let's rock and roll. And so, uh, you know, the name of the podcast, I mean, I wish I could, I wish I would have been thinking about it. You know, having plus signs in the name is like a big no, no for searches. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of music and a lot of tech and not as much art maybe as I would want to, but I think it, the name of it kind of lends itself to saying, Hey, this could go in a lot of different directions. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was just. It was one of those things where it ended up. Now it's it really has a life of its own. And when I talk to people about it, a lot of them talk about it as as sort of like the oral history of kind of the music and art technology of our time, which is pretty, yeah.
0: is pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a canon of sorts or something. And yeah, a little and bit. I would say like yeah, you 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 mentioned there's not so much art, but. I th- I never thought that, and I think what you do with the the wide, um, you know, the breadth of different types of artists that you come on with sound artists and people who work with making music with plants and and yeah, you right. had a, was it Ed Ed Ball on yeah, recently? Yeah, the painter. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, you know I got in contact with him after that, and and we're talking about I'm going to try and submit some stuff for his book, and yeah. and we've been chatting, and um, yeah, it's it's very cool to see just. Because uh, I feel like th- there's a certain type of people who are drawn to to in like something like my show and especially your show. And it's just what I love about it is I can hear something about somebody from Make Noise or I can hear something from, uh, you know, somebody who teaches at Berklee School of Music. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and half of these people I haven't heard of. And what I like about your show, which... Was something that I liked about Marin's show was I would listen even if I had no idea who the person was. I wouldn't even look at the description. I'd be like, "This is going to be good. Yeah, I'm going right, to learn exactly. something." You well,
1: know. I really appreciate that. That's what I hope for. I I hope that I can. I mean, because in a way, I also am like short attention span guy, right? And so for me. <laughs> I, it's almost like if I do two or three modular people in a row, I start like getting itchy around the neck and it's like, I got to get mm-hmm. an academic on here. And I get a couple of <laughs> academics and I'm like, Oh, I got to get somebody who owns a label or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. so I kind of like, uh, it, it really helps that I, that I like a lot of variety in my life too. So.
0: Yeah, no, that works out great. And I'm, I'm just, I mean, like I'm still getting, getting my sea legs here, but, um, I'm finding that even though it's a, it's a modular podcast, uh, what I've been enjoying about the recent episodes is, is 50% of the the conversation is just two people sitting. It's almost like we're just having lunch together and, and we can talk about all sorts of different things and, and I'll bring it back to modular every once in a while. But I think, I think just people just like to listen to interesting conversations and, i'm still kind of trying to crack that code like podcasts are have just blown up and yeah. people prefer them over so many forms of entertainment when i found a podcast i i mean i'm a music guy i grew up playing and listening to music constantly it's my life and i listen to more podcasts than i do music now which right. is it's kind of weird to me
1: well if you think um,
0: about it i mean this is like one of those cases
1: i yeah so here's a reveal i'm literally old as stones in comparison to most <laughs> most people that I meet, right? So um but so I definitely had a significant life before the internet. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was really crappy was that uh if you were into something that was even modestly obscure, right? So like before mm-hmm. I was a synth guy, I was a guitar guy, right? Yep. But you know, if you were like if you were a, a guitar guy in nineteen eighty and you wanted to hear some guitar other than Eddie Van Halen, good luck, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, If you wanted to ever read or if you would ever want to hear an interview with somebody, well, you'd better hope that those people stumbled into an NPR office somewhere because otherwise you just were not going to hear anything other than the complete mainline, center of the road, what the industry was going to spit into your ear. That's what you were going to hear, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that was amazing for me with the internet was when I got when I first got LinkedIn. It was through this uh, weird connection at a place that I was working, and I ran into the first uh, mailing list. It was eMusic e- L and Synth L. Uh, these two things, and all of a sudden, people are talking about you know OB8 and oh, I don't know. I don't like the OB8 as much as I like the OBX. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, I was so excited, right? I was like, yeah. these are my people. I found my people, <laughs> right? And what was hilarious is that, um, is that through these like this kind of thing, all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, and you know I live in I live in Milwaukee, and other people are like, I live in Milwaukee too. Let's get together. I mean, people, you know, we all crawled out of mom's basement and like got together and started talking, <laughs> but um, uh-huh. you know now with podcasts it's almost like you have that same sort of thing with radio it's almost like having the radio that you really wish existed you can just Mm -hmm. dial in your own set of podcasts and i mean i'm obsessive podcast listener too and i've got like three things that i love and that's all i have to listen to it's great
0: yeah yeah it's i i it's, it's always kind of sad when I wake up on Monday morning and, and nobody's got something new for me. So I was very happy to find yours because it's always nice to find a, a large back catalog to be right. like, oh, yeah. I don't need to wait until next week. I've got 200 plus episodes. To yeah, and it. one that's not stuck behind a paywall, right? Right, yeah. <clears throat> um, so I have, I have a question about, I don't know how, how close an eye you keep on like individual listens or anything, but I was wondering with stuff like your talk with Walker Farrell and Tom Hall. And I know Tom Hall was more recent, but like, I think Walker Farrell and Tony Orlando were, were a while ago. Right. Have you noticed that those kind of like modular guys who work for the big companies like make noise are maybe having like kind of a, another spike in downloads with the increasing popularity of modular. Sometimes. Um,
1: yes i mean so if if you take a look if you like lump all of my interviews into like big sets of stuff i mean one set of stuff would be the modular guys one set of stuff would be the artists and one set of stuff would be like academics mm-hmm. and uh and then there's like a scattering of other folks right but mm-hmm. generally speaking what i get is i get a modest spike the the academics are sort of like the baseline. I don't get any kind of spike with academic, but oftentimes uh, those are the ones that kind of like are really consistent. When I look at the back catalog listens, uh, the academics are really consistent. It's sort of like the same amount every month, right? Wow, the, that's interesting. Yeah. The modular people tend to really spike as soon as it goes, and then it's almost like... I can tell when make noise, put out a new module, because <laughs> all of a sudden I'll see a spike in make noise listens, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um and And uh, then conversely, the artist things, uh, those tend to have a big spike when they first go out, because oftentimes people want to talk to me right around the time of a release. So it yeah. tends to get kind of like bundled in with other kind of activity and um And, and so those tend to be kind of a one shot spike, but again, mixing those, those three kinds of things together makes for a really, to me, a a very organically strong mix. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and, and, you know, the addition of the academics, a lot of people think that, well, it'd be, you know, if we just heard less of those people, but you know, I am a, I was one of these people that was like stunned by computer music when it first happened. And mm. I, in a way, I feel like I owe the academic world for coming up with all this stuff. And uh-huh. so <laughs> I want to make sure that that those stories get heard as well. And some of those stories are amazing. I, um, In a coming week here, I've, I've got a discussion with Curtis Rhodes, who sort of like, it has popularized the whole world of granular synthesis, right?
0: Okay. And yeah, through
1: his through his writing. But also, I mean, so he had this book Microsound, which was really the thing that took it from being an obscure academic thing to something that everyone was salivating over. Mm-hmm. Um it's amazing to be able to talk to him and hear his stories about how, yeah, you know, I used to have to like take this tape from one machine to another and then you know <laughs> run it overnight to get 6 seconds of sound or something right oh. it, it's a remarkable <laughs> thing to hear i mean and this isn't like this isn't like ancient egyptian history this is a guy who's still talking to us i mean he's a guy right. my age who just has you know has this experience of like just some really creaky old stuff the very beginnings of some of these kinds of sound creating tools
0: yeah i would have to say um that's that's probably one of my favorite aspects of of your your show. You have again a wide berth of types of people, but you have a wide berth of ages of people. Like I'm pretty sure yeah. the VCV rack guy is pretty young, yeah. and then you know you're you're talking to people who are hanging out with Don Buchla. Yeah, um, yeah, right. It's it's just cool to and and it's it's cool. Like I'm I'm not listening in order, which I don't think really matters, but no. it's funny to have. Kind of puzzle pieces start falling together. Like <laughs> I've heard this term a lot, and then you talk to the guy who coined the term, and you're like, "Oh, okay, yeah. that all locked in." And going back to what you were saying about the academics is what I really like about that side is it's 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 totally fresh to me. Like i i went to I went to college and grad school, but I studied anthropology, so I, I don't I know nothing about coding or electrical engineering or anything. I'm fascinated by it, so. To hear somebody with authority be interviewed by somebody who has a, a grasp on the knowledge is—I don't know—maybe I'm a geek, but it's—it's it's just very, very interesting. Well, I'll tell you one
1: of the one of the cool things, and <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm I, right now. I'm like a real book guy, so I read yeah. probably I read between five and ten books a month. I'm a oh, real reader, any. right? Wow. Yeah, and um. So a book I'm reading right now is the latest Michael Pollan book called uh, Yeah called How to Change Your Mind, and it talks about it talks with people that are into like the psychedelic, the the use of psychedelic drugs for sort of like self medication, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting to me because one of the things I notice in general when people talk to other people about drugs, if they're not like completely burned out. A lot of times there's an excitement where I just can't talk. stop talking about it. I just can't stop talking about it. It's amazing. <laughs> it changed my life. It's amazing, right? What's mm-hmm. interesting to me is that in the academic world, there is that feeling about computer music and electronic music. When you get those people talking, this stuff was life-changing to them. They were oftentimes... You know, stuck playing a clarinet and why, wondering why it is that this is what they were doing, and then all of a sudden, they stumbled on the one guy with the crazy hair, and the <laughs> and the you know the mismatched buttons on his shirt, who invited <laughs> him to just like listen to a tape that was done with the computer, and it changed their world, right? Right. Yeah. When, and so they talk with this excitement and this excitement of things that happened forty years ago, and they just. It, you know, they they they're like evangelists. They're so into it, um, and mm-hmm. and so that that's the kind of cool thing. Even among the most staid of academics, there's like this just barely pent up excitement about how much they love what they're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they devote their life to it. So that that's it's it's, it's be, having like I I departed from music. To go, you know, I I never stopped playing, but I I to to pursue academics, and it was it was a very similar force that like that would drive me, and and it's and I think with with music and academics, it's it's a curiosity, and I think it's kind of a marriage of a curiosity and then a confirmed. Um, like hypothesis or something like that. I think it might be like this. And then you get that confirmation and then you feel like you have this superpower or something. Right, And then you you just kind of get going with that. Um, And that's kind of how I'm feeling with modular. Um, I was a guitar guy like you and I was obsessed with effects pedals. And now that's just to the nth degree with, with modules. So yeah, it's a, yeah, well it's it's, right.
1: Effects pedals are, are sort of like the gateway drug for so many people. That's a fact.
0: (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Um, oh yeah, sorry. It's so hot here. And are you still in Colorado? No, actually
1: about two years ago. Um, so when I was in Colorado, I lived way up in the mountains. So it was like, Uh we were up at 10,000 feet. So it was like, (laughs) I was, uh, suffering from oxygen deprivation at all times, but, um, it was lovely. It was beautiful every day, but also, Um, I have uh, a number of kids that are, that are teenagers now Mm -hmm. and, uh, believe me when, you know, they want to go to the movies and they want to go to the school dance or whatever. And each one of those things represented two hours of driving, you know, (laughs) just to get, just to get into town or whatever. It was just not fun. Became unsustainable. And, um, both my wife and I grew up in the Midwest. And so we were like, well, you know, let's look at doing that again. And, where would we go, and uh we've both always loved the area near Minneapolis, but we also now don't want to live in a city so there's a little town outside of Minneapolis called Northfield It's the home for uh for two really cool little colleges, which means okay. that it's like kind of like my people right uh-huh. and uh both of which have like really interesting uh music departments but also art departments and just really cool folks. And so we moved to this little town,
0: bought a little house and, and our happiest clams. Oh, that's nice. Um, are you guys are you guys dealing with some uh, horrid humidity then right now?
1: Actually, the last week has been... there. Minnesota gets a, kind of a bad rap for weather. And, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a couple of weeks every winter where you'd rather be almost anyplace else. <laughs> and there's a couple of weeks in the summer where you'd rather be anywhere else as well. But the rest of the time, we're we're having sort of like this, this time, this Minnesota summertime where it's like, 75 degrees there's a little breeze and you just feel like you got a little bit of heaven it's pretty nice oh that would be so nice it's and been i'm, I'm hearing here like I, yeah i know i'm talking to all the <laughs> west coast people and i and it's all i can do to just not go because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like y'all are getting put through
0: it it's yeah yeah See, seattle well the the northwest in particular is is you you can't call it rough you know like I grew up in a, a tiny little mountain town, actually, where the the show Northern Exposure was filmed, oh, yeah. uh, Roslyn, Washington. Oh wow! Um, and so I grew up with snow. You know, we'd wake up to two feet of snow sometimes, and then the the winter, the summers were pretty warm. And uh, I moved to Michigan for grad school, and I thought I can handle the winters. And it was <laughs> uh, it was a whole new ball game. For yeah. me, getting out there and the summers with the humidity and right. listen to us. Going on about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is that time
1: of year. And, and again, like yeah. I said, I I talked to my, my friends and coworkers on L.A., for example, and that's all that they can talk about right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine what they're going through. I shouldn't yeah. complain up here. Um, I'm So being out there, you, you probably don't have much opportunity, if any, to do uh, in person. So is all of your stuff during, go, uh, going through Skype or... Do you do one-on-one stuff?
1: Yeah, no, I, I probably have done a total of, like, three face-to-face interviews. I, okay. um, And, in fact, uh, one of the things that's common is that people will light up and people have... You know, I use Skype, and people will have their cameras on. And, and I specifically <laughs> do this on another machine that doesn't have a camera. And I'm just uh, like, turn the camera off, because otherwise... I'll answer your questions by nodding or shrugging my shoulders. And who the hell's <laughs> going to hear that? Right.
0: Yeah. I, I talked to Tom Hall the other night and he popped up and I was like, Oh, Hey, I, I'm not using my camera. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right, I'll turn mine off. It was cool to get a, a little glimpse of, yeah. of the studio, but right. yeah, I think, I think it's as a, a primarily auto, you know, audio, uh, an only audio format. You should, that's, that's a good rule. Right. Um, so that that's a that makes me feel a little better to hear going back a little bit in our conversation that you you spend about 8 hours cuz I'm finding myself spending about that a week yeah um on the show and I just I wish I had more time I've got more ideas but I I'm I'm settling into a groove um but how many people do you talk to a week Um I a lot of times
1: I'm right up to the wire uh <laughs> and and again it depends on my schedule so I mean I at any time, I'm kind of juggling a lot of things. I have a full-time job working for Cycling 74 as a, you know, with doing the development of the Max language, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I have uh, I have the podcast, which is which is time-consuming. I write articles for Recording Magazine because uh, mm-hmm. I have a long history doing recording studio work as well. Uh, I try and keep uh I I've been working on this book series that I've been putting together for a while. I try and do like daily practice on my instrument, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm juggling an awful lot of stuff and and so <laughs> A lot of times it's sort of like, uh, you know, I'll forget about interviews and then all of a sudden I say, oh, crap, I got to get something for next week, right? <laughs> oh, um,
0: man, we live a very similar life. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what I often do is I'll often kind of like stack up three or four, and then that gives me a month's worth. Um, mm-hmm. And But I find it a very taxing thing to talk to people because, again, I, I'm listening so intently, that it can be, uh, it can be a little difficult to really, to stay focused for an hour or so and to do a good job with an interview. So,
0: yeah. 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 I, I hear you there. I'm, I'm currently, I work 40 hours a week and then, um, come home and I'm right now I'm, I'm kind of hitting it hard trying to do a couple, two to three a week if I can, but because I'm getting married in September, um, I I don't want to I don't want to miss a week, but I also don't want to have to be working on this when when my uh, fiance is going to need my right. undivided attention. <laughs> well, so.
1: it's it's one of the things for me is it's actually a, a great relief to allow myself to say I'm going to give myself two weeks off a year, and mm. uh, you know I don't necessarily pre schedule those, and this year I kind of got waylaid because I had a person that I interview request a delay in the, in the interview being released. And so I had to just oh. sort, of, sort of like hold up and I didn't really have any backup plan. Right. So yeah. uh, that, that kind of stole one of my, one of my days off, but nevertheless, it's, it's important to give yourself a few days off. And uh, I just make sure that if that's happening, I post something on, on social media and stuff that basically says, Hey, it's a great time to check out the back catalog
0: yeah now speaking of social media maybe i'm I'm not good at looking but do you you don't have um an instagram account for the podcast is that right no i don't it's instagram has been one of those things i
1: again um trying to hide the fact that i'm old as dirt means that <laughs> i'm not like real super ready with the camera right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and instagram really focuses on the visual part of it but Uh, so no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not very Instagrammed. Um, there is a, there is a Facebook, um, group, uh, but I also, a lot of my Facebook interaction has just been people who knew me rather than knew the podcast. And similarly with Twitter, it's, it's a lot about people who know me rather than the podcast.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I have, uh, I don't want to evangelize too hard for a social media thing because it feels very silly, but I will say that, um, Instagram has been instrumental in me finding more people in the community and just seeing what kind of cool things are going on. And actually I think it's helped me grow my audience. Um, it's, it's been really crazy. I contact a lot of my guests through the Instagram messenger and, Uh um, and it's been—I don't know—it's—it's it's been a lot of fun. So I mean, I don't—I don't want to tell you how to live your life, Darwin. But I—I I think you might well, you enjoy it. But you will anyway, me. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> um, well, and also uh, Instagram paid me to ask you that. So, oh, there you go. Um, awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so I—you don't company. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, Facebook's just becoming more and more of a wasteland. Oh, these I'm days.
1: telling you, it's—it's it's getting a little on my under my skin
0: right now as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, you know, this is something I want to ask you as somebody who, who pursues all these these passionate projects. Do you, because this is how I feel kind of, sometimes I feel like there's so much going wrong in the world right now. I shouldn't, is it? Is it almost, um, I don't know, is it irresponsible? I feel sometimes guilty for enjoying myself talking about things I'm interested in. Because mm-hmm. I feel like maybe I could be spending my time doing something, I don't know. I well, think that's just maybe my Catholic yeah. upbringing.
1: I, I hear you. The, now here's here's was what I is what I would say and, and actually when people ask me about because again I, I get a lot of things accomplished in my life, right? Um, mm-hmm. and people ask me about it and and I'm I'm quite honest in saying that I think that one of the scourges on um on our on our lives right now is the way that the media world acts and reacts towards things, this mm-hmm. sense where everything has, is uh, breaking news and, and and scary stuff, and you need to be worried about this, and you need to be paid, paying attention to that. So much of that is just generated in order to make sure that you'll stay tuned in to find out what's the latest stupid thing Donald Trump's done, or what's mm-hmm. the latest person who's had a scandalous uh, life change, or who... You know, who cheated on who, or who ripped off whom, or who shot whom. And it's, I mean, it is important to understand what the world around you is about. But oftentimes, if you look closely, or if you talk to people that are really living a life, you'll find out that that their experience isn't the experience that's portrayed in the media anyway. But the media is kind of Mm -hmm. set up to churn you into wanting more media. And yep. so for me, uh, a lot of my life is spent not knowing a whole lot about the news because, <laughs> uh, and, and the information I get are from people, uh, I have good friends and coworkers who, who explain what their experiences are and what are, what things are bothering them or, or where their sensitivities are being poked. And, and I learn things through them. You know, I don't want to, I'm not a fake news screamer because I, right. I do think that there's a lot of uh, outlets for great news. I was just in Washington, D.C. and I went to this place called the Museum, which is a museum about news organizations and what they do. And it was really amazing the, the amount of impact and, and the way that sort of like they are like our greatest tool for combating tyranny, Right. But yeah. at the same time, I I watch the kind of news things that come across social media or that I would run into uh, in my web browser. And I was like, I have to expunge this from my life because otherwise it just ends up a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's 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 important to find that balance um, right. to to try to stay informed, but also not because all this what's the latest you know scandal is really just to sell you tide pods and yeah, right. you know whatever <laughs> so um so we are uh, we're already at 40 minutes and we haven't Jeez. really talked too much about modular so I want to get into that in a second but all right. I did want to you you mentioned you're working on a book series and yeah. I kind of that that sounds interesting I kind of want a little bit more information on that if you can share yeah uh so
1: actually I have uh one i'm I'm doing this as sort of like ebooks. I have one out right now. It's actually called Book Zero because it's like the preface book, uh-huh. and what it is is it's about uh sort of like the four prototypical kind of modular synth patches, an East Coast style, a West Coast style, a percussive, and a chaotic patches right? okay and the idea is that for people who are hearing these terms. But and have a modular synth, but don't know what that means. It kind of gives a an explanation of here's what it's about, here's why it works the way that it does, and um, it's uh it's a pretty neat way to approach uh, learning more about your synth. And then um, my the the series that I'm working on is basically a three book series where um it's like uh a part of the modular and then sort of like a companion part. So the first one is about oscillators and LFOs. The second book is about VCAs and envelopes. And, uh, the third is about filters. And I haven't decided what's going to couple
0: with that yet. Oh man, But that um, sounds
1: awesome. Yeah. And so, um, I actually have book one, which is the oscillator book, uh, already in, uh, pretty much completed Uh, I just haven't figured out how to get it out there and then the other thing is is uh in order to provide documentation and and like show patches um all of these things I originally did it with like just things that were I I basically sort of like made a really super simplified version of all the standard modules like here's a thing that's sort of like a Pittsburgh oscillator and here's something Uh that's sort of like a you know a, a really basic uh dope for filter right but mm-hmm. make it so make it was always so simple that you could sort of like apply the same knowledge to whatever oscillator or filter you actually had right the nice thing is for that book zero um i just put a thing out on on muff wiggler that was sort of like hey if you want to try a book uh check it out it's free a free pdf and i think we've like shot Fifteen hundred, hundred of them out there already oh and, that's great uh, yeah and it's and the cost is like Please let me have your email so when book one comes out, I can drop a line. to you.
0: you know? <laughs> That's not asking too much.
1: Well, and, you know, and, and the thing is, I've, I'm not very notorious for being a scamster, so I, I think I can get away with that.
0: <laughs> um, so what do you think the timeline on this? Are you going to kind of re- release them in sequence or are you going to finish them all and put them out as a batch?
1: Nah, I need to put them out when they're done just to get. I mean, if nothing else, I would like the feedback on book one so that book three is actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm hoping by the time I get there i' i it's looking better, but um you know it's what there is gonna be though it's gonna be like well okay, I learned the oscillator where where the hell's the other stuff right so i'm uh i need to be i need to be kind of on it uh but again, it's like uh my life's pretty busy, so i I need to make yeah. priority calls, and right now that one kind of got. They get shelled as much as it's like kind of on the slow burner right now.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. I've kind of viewed VCV rack as a great way. Like if I was going to get somebody, if I was going to try to sell somebody on modular synth, I would definitely have them start there. But you, if you don't know anything about modular synth and you open that up, you couldn't, you couldn't just start doing it. You so I think a, right. a book series like what you have would be an excellent um, companion with something like VCV rack. Not right. everybody has, you know, the, the two thousand dollars it takes to drop on getting a very basic modular setup, right? Well, and this is where the book zero thing also is,
1: is a cool idea. You know, a book zero the whole idea was like, I'm making some books, but I don't have book one done yet, so here's book zero, right? And yeah. <laughs> it's like a hundred pages still, but um, it is a nice way it, it does sort of tell you, okay, here just try this, you know, try hooking up two oscillators. Uh, the output of the oscillator into the input of the uh, one next to it, right? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, it's chaotic. And see what happens. You'll be surprised, right? Yeah. And those kinds of things, those kind of like prods or, you know, just sort of like little pushes forward can really help people uh, kind of get excited about learning more then.
0: Yeah. Well, and like modules themselves, little ideas of how to use them are are building blocks that you can start,
1: you know, Right. You
0: you you give them that trick and then they learn a new trick and oh I can combine those two things in a really interesting way. Yeah. Um, exactly. Like I'm still finding new ways to use VCAs that are, you know, <laughs> it just seems like a, a very simple little module but uh yeah. Just uh, it's that's I think that's what's so attractive about right. this format is it's just so open-ended. Um Well, well it was it was what drew me to modulars in the first
1: place, the idea that and like my first modulars were like these really crusty old things, but <laughs> uh it was it was amazing to me to be like to have a VCA and be like, Okay, I can use drive it with an envelope to turn, you know, to turn an oscillator into an event, but oh look, if I drive it with another oscillator, it sounds oh that's amplitude modulation. And oh mm-hmm. if I use the VCA to to turn on you know to to swell in a cv now all of a sudden i have like changed modulation over time and you know now if i oh if this vca goes into negative now i'm getting ring modulation and you know it was just like every day every day is an exciting thing and i mean still i do i have like this daily modular practice thing right i i Mm -hmm. literally practice it like it was a clarinet and um but what I do is I say, okay, this jack right here, I'm going to use it in a way I never did, right? I mm-hmm. am going to take, you know, I have a, I don't know, I'll just pick something random. Uh, okay, so I have a uh, an IntelliGel dual uh, ADSR, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, there is that end trigger. I'm going to use that... And in combination with the second one, to see if I can kind of do like a delayed, you know, a a patch that delays itself. Instead of using a digital delay or something, I'm going to make a thing where it fires a delayed version of a second thing. And, you know, you just start playing around with these things and you force yourself to learn something new. You know, yeah. 80% 80% of the time, it's like, well, that was fun. I'm never going to do that again, <laughs> right? But when you do hit one, all of a sudden, it's it's like, all right, this is my trick, right? This is my I love thing, that. right?
0: Yeah. Well, Darwin, I have to say that you just saved me so much time because when I'm feeling like I need to mix things up, I literally do that and I take everything out and I rearrange <laughs> where everything is because I feel like I... And now I can look at it as... That's that's such a great idea. I think a lot of people just just got a new way of practicing without having to deconstruct their entire rack. So well, there that's, you go. That's Good really luck. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need it. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of your setup, I, you mentioned when we were communicating about this that you're having some issues. Are are yeah. you still having those issues? Uh, it's it's coming around. Um, I for the last eight ages,
1: uh, for the last several years. I uh so I am I am an obsessive compulsive. I I have many uh psychological tweaks. <laughs> and um one of You're them is company. that yeah, one of them is that I uh, I given my druthers I would drive myself into bankruptcy buying new modules, right? <laughs> and so what yep. I did what I did was I said, "Okay, um I am going to get a tip top station 252 uh case and that is the only case i'm going to have so i have 252 mm. hp of space and i am going to limit myself to that so that's a good um, amount yeah it it, it is think. a nice amount and so it it worked and uh, i have the i have my buying strategies and stuff are ridiculous man uh one <laughs> of the things that's a rule of thumb for me is that no module is a for-sure module until I've bought and sold it three times, right? <laughs> it's, I swear, it's how I... I
0: swear we, are, we are the same person in so many ways. <laughs> and so
1: it's sort of like, I'll, buy, I'll get excited. You know, it's released. Oh, man, this sounds like it's going to be everything. And I'll buy it, and I'll be like, oh, it's not everything. So I'll sell it while the price is still high. And then I'll be like, like you know, two months later, I'll be like, oh, man, it was so cool when I had that thing. I'm going to get it again. <laughs> and so now the price is a little lower, and I can convince myself, oh, wow, well, I didn't lose that much last time, and so I'm going to be good, right? And so I'll get it, and, I, and, I'll, and then it'll be in my rack for two months, and it's like, oh, I really need space for that other thing. And uh-huh. it'll go out, and then I'll sell it. And then it's like, then then at that point, it's like, if I'm going to buy it again, it's the third time, it's got to stay yeah so then, you know that's but it's not only modules i mean that's the way i am about all gear i i'm on my i'm on my third octa track right now (laughs) Uh, but this one looks like it's gonna stay because uh, especially the new version is pretty sweet so
0: (laughs) well mine is less economic than yours my method of doing this i buy something and then i want the next thing right now so i take three things down to our local store patchworks and i trade it and i get a new one and then i've lost you know. know that much but you know i i don't look i should look at it more economically but it's more of the experience and you know if i'm willing to lose some money to get that you know dual looping delay today then right you know i want that thing today um i'm definitely getting much better about keeping stuff and giving it more of a chance Uh, yeah i just got a whole swath of really complicated stuff too many complicated things at once i'd say but yeah I'm well it's keep it's diffi-
1: it's tough because uh there's a certain extent to which i mean these are instruments i mean all each mm-hmm. one of these modules is almost an instrument in itself and to mm-hmm. really explore things uh can be can be really difficult and then when you especially when you talk about uh, about the more complicated uh the more complicated things especially the things that don't have like real equivalences in Ableton Live or in a Juno 106, right? Mm-hmm. You get something like a an ER 301, or you get something like I don't know. Well, even something as as quote simple as a maths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many different things that you can do it, but it's not something that reveals itself on day one, or even day twenty, or even day two hundred. Right right? Yeah. <laughs> you learn these things over time. You learn these things by following conversations online. You, you get them from talking to friends who are like, Oh yeah, I found this one thing, you know, and, and these are the kinds of things that drive you into, into learning in depth. And you don't get that if you, if you base the, your feelings about a module on the first 20 minute experience
0: right right so if you're out there listener and you're thinking (laughs) about getting rid of that module you just got maybe just give it a little bit more time
1: well try Um, you know spend some time with each one of those jacks man
0: yeah yeah, i love that idea i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do that next time I, i tinker with it so um is your is your rig set up to where you could uh do a patch challenge or uh it is uh more or less now one of the things is for me because
1: so the station 252 is currently dead but um what I did was I uh, I picked up a Pittsburgh uh, Structure EP-270. So it's a little bit bigger. It gave me an extra, you know, 18 spaces, which I immediately filled up with my Benjamin. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, uh, so that's operational. And then normally I have, so I have this table with that on one half of the table and then whatever I'm using with it on the other half. So sometimes the other half is... I'm a big fan of MPCs, and oh, I'm yeah. actually a huge fan of the current MPC Live implementation. It's really a phenomenal piece of gear. Um, so sometimes it's an MPC. Sometimes it's the Octatrack. Right now, though, it happens to be uh, my little boxes set up. So I have uh, a Proko Turbo Rat, a TC Electronics Ditto Looper, a TC Electronics Nova repeater, and an eventide space, right? Oh, I love that space. Yeah. So this kind of like foursome, it it really orients itself towards doing loopy stuff. So hopefully the words that you draw for me are going to be oriented towards looping and delaying and reverbing (laughs) And and not something like, you know, uh, another fossil <laughs> or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if you listened to yes, I the did. R. Benny one, but the yeah, yeah, poor I guy did. got Australopithecus. Exactly. I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, cool. Um, I, will, uh, I will draw you an adjective right now then. Okay. And that adjective is... Come here. It is humdrum. That's fun. Uh, humdrum atrium. Oh, that sounds kind of nice. Humdrum atrium. Very nice, yeah. All right, we're going to get to Darwin's patch shortly. But uh, first, I got a new maths last night, and uh, I was trying it out with the AI synthesis voltage-controlled filter and looping ADSR and the recovery effects, bleeding hearts, bad comrade, and cutting room floor. And uh, I had to bring some doom. So uh, before we get into Darwin's humdrum atrium... Let's uh, go to nightmare land. that that nice and terrifying uh go to recovery and ai synthesis.com and uh, see what kind of goodies they got all right we're gonna get into this patch with darwin but i was a real knucklehead and i didn't press record when i called him back to check on his uh his patch after 15 minutes but luckily darwin is a consummate professional and he was recording me so i have the audio that he recorded of me going through skype so there will be a little bit of a drop off in quality, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I've learned my lesson, hopefully. Uh, and thank you, Darwin. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, how's it going, Darwin? All right. Uh, so how, how did it come along?
1: It uh, went fine. It was, uh, it was actually, I, I got a good couple
0: of things. <laughs> the, the words were good to me. So good, good. I'd have to say that's probably the most pleasing sounding pair I've I've drawn so far. Humdrum atrium. Yeah, I know it's nice. It, it's even kind of alliterative, so it sounds like the name of my next album, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I'm I'm curious before we dive into kind of listening to it and have you walk us through it. Um, something I'm, I've been interested to hear from the guests is is how did the time limit how did, how did you feel about the time limit? Um, it really kind of parallels how I do live performance.
1: So it wasn't that big of a thing for me. Um, I'm one of the few live performers who always starts their modular set with a blank patch panel. Wow. <laughs> and so as a result, um, I'm sort of used to like really quickly coming up with the sound. And this goes back to that like daily practice thing. Uh, in order to, you have to be really comfortable with the modules you're working with in order to pull that off. Right. I would never
0: try that right now. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: Well, you know what though? I mean, it's, it's a thing that comes over time, but also it requires, it requires thinking about how you make your music. Right. So I, I tend to, when I see people do modular work, sometimes the work is about, um, is about the rhythm of it. Right. You know, I think of like basic, you know, uh, that's Mm -hmm. that's very much about the rhythmic aspect of what he's doing right there are other people um I think of like Bonhoeffer maybe who Mm -hmm. uh it's very much about the note selection right and other people it's very much about the process you know I think of someone like Keith Fullerton Whitman who's who's really about the process of like making crazy stuff happen. And, you know, almost like you need a math degree to really get through the patch. Right. (laughs) And so, um, you know, it's, you kind of have to pick your place. I tend to be kind of a note guy. And, uh, and so I don't tend to do really complex patches, but what, what there is for me is there's this sense of making it so that when I do patch something, it really has a purpose and again, it goes back to having a small system too, right? Uh, as, as a result, you'll hear in this thing, I'm actually running like the equivalent of five voices. Now, some of those were voices that I, I almost always have a looper in play mm-hmm. because with a small system, a looper sort of allows you to capture something and utilize that as an additional voice. Mm -hmm. And, and then you can kind of repatch out and, and always have that loop to go back to as part of that voicing system. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, that's, so that for me, that's kind of the genesis of how I put this stuff together. I'm, I'm looking for note or sonic selections, but oftentimes note related. And then, uh, and then building, building on that, but then every patch cord really has a purpose.
0: Right. Okay. Man, you're just giving me all sorts of inspiration. <laughs> I've uh I, I shudder at the thought of trying to perform with a blank patch, but now I'm like you've kind of made me like, well, I'll see if I can do it. <laughs> well, if you think about it, I mean, realistically, you patch
1: a sine wave into a digital delay and hit two notes with a lot of feedback and it kind of is pretty. You know? Yeah. yeah, it's a nice, yeah del- <laughs> you can kind of you can kind of like bank on that delay to save your bacon in a lot of cases, so
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, I learned early on that if I wanted to get past the sound of making sounds of uh, two robots fighting, I'm going to need some <laughs> reverb and delay. Right, right. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, if you want to do just a quick walkthrough of what, you know, is as technical or not technical as you want, or if you want to just go straight into playing it... um. Kind of like to let the guests decide if you want to walk us through Sure. It or not.
1: Let me do a walkthrough because I have to kind of like repatch my audio in order to do the play. So let me talk through it really quickly. Okay. Um, so first of all, for the atrium part of it, I actually thought of, I used to work in a place that had a big atrium and inevitably there were birds flying around in the atrium, right? <laughs> so what I did was for the kind of massive sound of the atrium, I, I certainly... uh took advantage of the eventide space to help me out there. Um, but for this kind of concept of like birds in a big space, uh, one of the things I always like doing is utilizing a self cycling, uh, um, maths, uh, mm-hmm. envelope, and then using that as the timing source for the rest of a patch, but then having a random source kind of like always modulating each, each iteration the timing changes. So you end up with kind of these stuttery things. It's it's sort of random time but not always. And if I use a sequencer instead of a true random thing, I can actually get some cycling. I do that okay. a lot. I tend to use sequencers instead of randoms. Uh and it might be a sequencer with a lot of sequ- a lot of sequence data, but I do that a lot because it allows me to sort of control the experience a little bit. Okay. So I did that, and then I actually captured one short and one longer version of that same thing in the looper. So I have two of those as well as the uh, the live sound. So I have like three voices of these little kind of Twittery things, and uh, the ones in the looper are uh, octave pitched a, uh, an octave higher to just give a little differentiation. And then for mm-hmm. the humdrum part of it, um, I, uh, I just took a really basic sine wave into a, uh, sine wave from a DPO into an optimix and, um, just let it, uh, let it do a uh, really like short sequences. Now what I use for sequences is something that I do again, a lot. Um, I, I was the designer of the ard core, which was the first module that was like, you know, here, program your Arduino and use it inside of your, uh, inside of your modular. Um, oh, wow. I did it as I, I was, I was a late entrant into grad school and that was my graduate school project, right? It was great. Okay. I mean, what better <laughs> way awesome. to do it? Right. But, um, <laughs> so I made this thing that had an Arduino and part of my graduate thing was like, here's 25 modules you can make with this one module. You know, so I did like clock multipliers and logic things and all this stuff. But I made one for me, which I always loved the old Roland SH-101 um, mm-hmm. key, uh, monosynth because it had this sequencer that just like worked right with my brain. You do something and then capture it and then you could sort of like very simply utilize it, you know, and, and kind of move it around. I, I just loved it. So I Uh decided to do something similar in the Arduino, but what I added to it was the ability to change the starting point and the ending point of the sequence. So you're going to record like 64 notes and say, okay, I'm going to play the first three. And now I'm going to move up and play numbers six through nine. And now I'm going to jump up and play numbers 14 through 16, right? And oh, wow. so it allows you to have these tiny sequences, but you can change them and you can change the length and you can get variations. I love doing that because our brains want to hear repetition, but they get bored with too much repetition. Mm-hmm. So, so this gives me the ability to have repetition, but also provide change and variation and update. It's, it's fun.
0: Yeah, and and probably some callback, you know. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah come yeah. back, and then uh, and then because uh, again, I want to enhance the sense of space. I just have a real simple noise in a mixer kind of a thing that I that I'll uh, that I'll bring in as well to just sort of like emphasize the atriumness of the thing. So it's much like a lot of my uh, performance work. It's actually a very simple setup, but one that gives me a lot of playability. I'm, I'm really big on, you know, give me something to put my hands in. So I feel like I'm operating, I'm, I'm operating the process while I'm performing, you know? Uh
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I can't wait to hear it. there you have it. That was that was really nice. I was oh, just please. sitting here closing my eyes and just uh, <laughs> I felt like I was in an atrium. It was it was very nice. All right, awesome. Well, I did my job then. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Darwin, I can't thank you enough for joining me tonight. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and I think. Uh, think our listeners are going to really enjoy hearing uh hearing you get on the other side of the mic because uh, I know we have a lot of crossover I'm sure most of my listeners are are fans of your show so thank you for everything you do Yeah well and if they aren't
1: artmusictech.libson.com will get you the whole back catalog there's a lot to listen there and uh it's worth
0: the doing if you if you're up for it so Yeah if you're looking for something new to binge on this is this is the place to go <laughs> And uh how about how about the the books or anything else you want to to, uh, you know, direct direct people people towards? Um, actually,
1: uh, I would have to actually look up, I think it's, uh, just, just write, uh, write me at any of my like 50 email addresses, uh, (laughs) darwin.gross at gmail.com, ddg at cycling74.com, ddg at 20objects.com. 20 objects is sort of like my, uh, my fun work. And uh that's actually who's publishing the book. So DDG at twentyobjects dot com. And I think if you just write book at twenty objects dot com, that actually goes to the uh the mailer that'll that'll get it funneled out. So something like okay. that. I'll get I'll get you a free copy of book zero. And um if you give me your email, I will uh I will actually Actually, send an email address when you contact me or send the books or whatever, because uh, then as soon as book number one is available, we'll make sure that we let people know.
0: Right on, and uh, to any listeners who are like, "Why didn't you talk about any of the stuff that he just mentioned?" Um, I yeah. apologize. We just uh, we just got into our talk, and then uh, yeah. next thing you know, an hour goes by. So, yeah, it's um, it's
1: it's easily that kind of thing. I mean, I wish we could have talked more <laughs> about Max because I have like guts full of stuff to talk about hybrid Max and modular stuff, and um, my history with modular. I, there's all kinds of stuff. My my history with the development of the Wired modular system there's all kinds of uh-huh. stuff there still left to talk about so
0: yeah at some point all we'll the have more to reason do it to have again. you on again yeah, yeah. Right, indeed. all right man <laughs> right on well uh thank <laughs> you darwin i'll stop recording now and sweet well thank you darwin that was a lot of fun and uh if you guys want to check out those books and uh you know anything related to darwin there is a mess of links in the show description uh, also check out his art music technology podcast if you dig this show you will love that one um, don't forget to check out selfcenter.bandcamp.com or selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com uh, for that Lemon Jaya EP that's dropping soon. And uh, once again, thank you to all my Patreon supporters. If you would like to become a supporter, go to patreon.com forward slash podular Until next week.